So today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. Uh, Please follow along. I'll be reading from the ESV. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I, um, I was a little afraid that I wasn't going to be able to fit into my clothes this morning when I put it on, but uh, thankfully it does fit me still after all those meals. Um, but yeah, this Sunday we are very, very, um, yeah, we are in this great opportunity to be able to just really celebrate uh, Advent hope. And what does this mean that we get to celebrate uh, the coming of Jesus into this world and how we also anticipate that Jesus will come back. And so this idea of Advent, which starts four Sundays before Christmas, is uh, literally the word coming. So we celebrate Jesus' first coming, but we celebrate the fact that Jesus will return. And when he returns, uh, he will renew this whole world with his power, with his glory, uh, by his grace. And so we live between the two Advents, the first Advent, the second Advent. And, um, and as we come into this time, this season, it's a good opportunity for us to just slow down, uh, to come before the Lord and to reflect about what does it mean that God sent his son Jesus into this world, uh, that he took on this human nature, this flesh. And uh, this passage that we get to look at this morning uh, with Mary and Uh, draw out the implications for our lives today. So uh, we want to be able to just reflectively come before God's word. And uh, with that, I'm going to ask if you would just come before the Lord with me in prayer one more time. And uh, let's really ask the Lord to open up his word to our hearts. And uh, so please join me. God, we are filled with praise and gratitude for what you have done, sending your son Jesus into this world. God, you have done what is impossible by human power, but that is possible by your power alone, that you accomplished our salvation. 
that you took away our sins on the cross, that you sent your son Jesus, and that he, fully God, fully man, was sent to be the mediator between God and, and us. Lord, we come before you, and Lord, I pray that as we open up your word and hear it, uh, Lord, would you just apply this word to our hearts? Would you help us, Lord, to be filled with a new sense of wonder and awe at the greatness at the glory of Christ himself. Lord, we thank you for this season of Advent that we could just slow down, even though it's many times very hectic and very busy around us. Lord, I pray that our hearts would slow down before you as we reflect upon Jesus as our Lord, our Savior, our King. We pray this in his name. Amen. Um, we all have, I think, all kinds of hopes in this world, and um, many of you have hopes that are deep in your hearts. Uh, we live in a world that is very broken, and we see chaos all around us. Um, we see that there's war, there's, um, there's protests, there's civil strife, and from whatever country that you may be coming from, whether it's Hong Kong or China or whatever part, um, we see that oftentimes the world is characterized by a lot of chaos, and we hope for peace. We hope for um, stability. We hope that people will be able to just be able to um, live in civil order and peace with one another. Some of you have hopes for your career, uh, for your lives and uh, what it means to be able to be here and to hope for maybe some kind of better life. Some of us have hopes, and we have hopes for maybe our loved ones, our family, and we've been praying for our family and for some of them to come to know Christ and for some of them to really come to a level where they would just follow Jesus with all their hearts. And we're praying persistently, diligently for these family members, our friends, um, you have hopes for your loved ones, and, and some of you in this season also are in a season of grief, and you're hoping, and uh, you have hopes to be able to be reunited, to be able to see your loved one once, one day again. But we live constantly with all kinds of hopes in our lives in this world. And in this Advent season, uh, we are reminded of the fact that God is a God of hope. And God wants to offer the greatest hope to each one of us. And the hope that he gives is a hope that goes beyond the hope of this world. And the hope he gives is a hope that's enduring, that's eternal, a hope that truly fills the deepest longings of our hearts. This is what Advent hope is all about. And so as we read this passage in Luke chapter 1, um, we're going to draw out the implications of this a little bit later on, but um, I want to just kind of go through this text and see uh, what, what's happening as we just unfold these verses here before us. This is a, a familiar story of Mary, um, the announcement by, a, by Gabriel that you will conceive by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to look at this, verse 26. It says in uh, verse, chapter 1, verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. 
by the time that Gabriel approaches Mary to make this uh, announcement to her, she is probably a teenager as she is betrothed to Joseph. As, most, um, as at that time, it was not uncommon for, uh, for them to marry when they were still teenagers. And uh, Matthew actually tells us that Joseph was called her husband. And the reason for that is because uh, during the betrothal period, it was the equivalent, the engagement period was equivalent of our marriage or being married today. So um, they are, in a sense, viewed as married uh, at this time. And then it goes on to say in verse 28, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Um, Gabriel's greeting here is literally, Grace, you who are highly graced. That's literally the idea of what Gabriel is saying to Mary. And there's no doubt that Mary uh, was a very godly woman. Uh, she was a woman who you could tell just was putting her trust in the Lord. She was very devout in her faith before the Lord. But this is not the reason why God chooses Mary. Not because she was this particularly godly woman. It's very, very important that we understand this in Scripture. That God, whenever he appears to anybody in Scripture, whether it's Noah or Abraham or Moses or David or in this case Mary that God just simply chooses out of his grace to say, I have chosen you, and I'm going to pour out my grace upon you, not because of your merits, not because you're a particularly good person, or because of you know, the strength of your character, but simply because God is a God of grace. So he initiates that, this to Mary's life. And he's, this angel Gabriel says, you are highly favored, and this idea of highly favored is actually the same description that's used in Ephesians chapter 1 to describe all of God's people, you and I as saints. We are highly graced or highly favored before the Lord. And this is really important. So um, in Christ, we've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Mary is blessed among women, but not above women. And that's really important. That's key. So God gives us grace to Mary. Verse 29, Luke continues to record. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give it to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Um, just within these verses, it's pretty rich to see how many prophecies actually the angel is referring to in this announcement to Mary. But we know throughout Scripture that the coming of the Son of God on earth was a fulfillment of multiple prophecies dating way back to Genesis. And the promises to Abraham, the promises to David, the promises to Isaiah, and that 
throughout Scripture, we see that God was always making these promises to his people over and over. Despite their failures before God, God continually makes his promise, I am going to send this Redeemer, I'm going to be at work. And this was the fulfillment of all of these promises that God indeed is faithful. Uh, By the time that the angel makes this announcement to Mary, it's been about 400 years of silence. It doesn't mean that God has not been at work, but um, since the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, to about this time, it's been about 400 years. So this, during this time, God, is, God has not sent any prophets. Uh, he doesn't appear to be speaking to the people. And then the, gate, uh, the, the angel is sent to Mary and makes this announcement. And he remembers this promise to make Um, the throne of David, that there will be someone who will be seated on your throne forever and ever. And of the Messiah's government, there will be no end, Isaiah chapter 9. And verse 34, Mary said to the angel, well, how will this be since I am a virgin? And since Jesus has existed forever, he is eternal by nature, um, how would this human mother be able to conceive of the eternal Son of God? Well, it's not going to happen in a normal way. It would, be, it would happen by the conception by the Holy Spirit. And so in verse 35, the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So um, this is the angel's explanation, Gabriel's explanation, that this will happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a couple things I just want to draw out uh, out of this passage, I think, for us. As we think about Advent hope and we think about the implications of this in terms of hope in our own lives and the hopes that we may be carrying as well. But what does it mean to be setting our hearts, our, our, um, our eyes upon the God of hope during this Advent season? And there's a couple things here that I want to learn from uh, this account with Mary and, the, and, and uh, Gabriel. But one is that hope is really not the absence of confusion, uh, of even a certain kind of doubt, but it's really the presence of this willingness to really follow and trust God, right? even when you don't understand everything, even when you don't have all the answers. Right? It's this idea that I want to follow. I want to trust you. I want to do what you, what your plan is. I don't get the full picture, but it's a posture of the heart before God. This is what hope is, and this is what we find in Mary. Um, There is a big difference between confusion, in Mary's case, versus this sort of hardened unbelief. And we didn't read this, but just several verses earlier in Luke chapter 1, uh, we find that there's an angel who appears to Zechariah. 
And Zechariah being one of the priests, it's his turn to go into the temple. And he's to uh, go into the temple and he's uh, offering this incense before the Lord. The angel makes an announcement to Zechariah that your wife, Elizabeth, in her advanced years, that she will also bear a son. But Zechariah is filled with this resistance and this unbelief. This, there's no way, you know, that, that can't be. And as a result, Zechariah is actually judged um, by this angel. He's unable to speak until the son is born. Um, but Mary here, some, some of us might read this passage and we may think, well, her reaction seemed to be very similar to Zechariah, but actually the posture of her heart was what was different with Zechariah. And there's this kind of doubt that sometimes is just closed-minded to what God can do, what he is doing, versus a confusion that stems from just a genuine heart that, that wants to follow God, but has some questions. Zechariah, he says, well, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. That was his response. And in the Old Testament, um, when the Lord appears to Abraham, says that, you know, you will also be blessed with a child. Sarah will, will conceive. Uh, Sarah's response to God was laughter. And this was not pleasing to the Lord. But here, Mary, the question she is asking is, she is asking, well, how will this be? Not how can this be? She's not doubting the power of God, but she's wondering. And Mary doesn't have all the answers, but she wants to trust. Um... Some of you right now, maybe as you go through different things, there's confusion in your faith. You're wondering. You're confused. Um, God does not fault you for confusion. For sometimes um, having some pain and difficulty. And the Bible says that we are invited to come before God when we're confused. When we don't know all the answers, we can come to God and be honest. And God promises to give us wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. So God invites you, come to him when you are confused. Come and he will give wisdom. Um, in the end, here, Mary, her heart, this announcement that she is going to conceive is going to result in great, great personal cost to her. Right? Um, she is a virgin. She's betrothed to Joseph. And now, when everyone finds out that she is pregnant, right, it's going to come at tremendous cost. She's going to face tremendous humiliation. Shame, public shame. And she knew that Joseph, not understanding everything that's happening here, 
very likely might divorce her. And if Joseph divorces her, the prospect of him divorcing her would have meant that for the rest of her life, maybe she might live in poverty. And she would live in this public disgrace for the rest of her life. She'd never remarry. She'd be branded for life. Uh, These were the implications that were maybe going through her mind when this is being made, this announcement. But if you look at Mary's response in the end, what does she say? As the angel explains everything, she says, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And this is really the, um, this is the attitude of her heart. I don't understand everything, but let it be. Let me follow your plan. Let me do what you ask me to do. I want to follow. I want to trust. And this is what it means for us to be putting our hope in God through this season. Not having all the answers, but saying, Lord, let it be according to your word. Let me follow your word. Let me be a servant of your word. Let me follow you. Let me trust you. Let me do what you want me to do. This is hope. You know, I have a, this past year, and as you reflect on this past year, I'm sure that there are lots of things in your life that you can look to and say, you know, I don't fully understand all of these things. I don't completely understand why this happened, or, or um, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen next. And just in this past year alone, uh, I shared with you earlier this year that I had a good friend who suddenly just passed away, uh, a couple of years just younger than me, leaving his wife um, a widow and two young children to raise now on her own. Uh, I've had some good friends just this past year who've now been expelled out of the country that they've been working in, and their work was flourishing, it was doing well, and um, now they're expelled, and they don't know exactly what the steps are for the future. They don't know, they're not sure what the future holds, where they're going to go, but their life was just all of a sudden, it immediately just sort of plunged out from underneath them, Um, I have, we just met with a good couple friend of ours uh, this past week, and um, in their quest to adopt two children in Colorado, these two children who came out of a foster care system, uh, they had a lot of baggage, so to speak. Uh, They came from very broken and abused backgrounds. They were Uh, abused on several levels, uh, emotionally, uh, verbally, um, just in uh, every single level you can kind of imagine. And as a result, um, as they've been living and they've been taking care of these children, um, actually one of the children has very, very violent tendencies. And um, so when actually the wife is left alone at the home, one of the children actually has such violent tendencies that Um, her physical safety is actually being threatened day after day. And she doesn't know exactly how she's going to react to something. 
And um, yeah, so she has bruises. Uh, there's been different, yeah, there's been uh, different things that have happened along the way. And, um, you know, they are exhausted. Uh, they're fatigued. They are sort of confused. They don't exactly know all the right steps to take, despite all the support systems and the trainings that they've gone through. But still, uh, there's a lot of question marks. And uh, Mimi and I, we asked them, you know, hey, what does this mean for you guys in the future? Um, are you still pursuing adoption with these kids? And I love just the response of uh, this couple. And they said, well, you know, of course we're committed to them. If someone else, if we just let go of them, their problems aren't going to go away. They're just going to persist. And someone, some other caregiver, you know, they're going to be the brunt or they're going to be the recipient of these same issues. And that's not going to help them at all. And I think just seeing, I think, their commitment to see um, that they are committed to loving these kids no matter what, no matter the cost, even to themselves personally, um, this deep conviction that they have to just say, well, this is what God has put in our life. We are committed out of the love of Christ to care for and to love these children that God has put in our lives. They don't have all the answers. And yet, they are continuing to put their trust in God. They're continuing to exercise the love of Christ. They're taking these steps. And this is what it means. This posture of saying, I want to just trust you. I want to follow you. I want to do what you call me to do. And it may come at great personal cost. But if this is what it means to put my hope in you, if this is what it means to, to trust in you, I want to pursue that. And this is, this is true hope. But secondly is this. Um, this announcement that Gabriel makes to Mary. And the announcement that Mary will conceive the Messiah and of the increase of his government, there will be no end. That he is the one that's appointed to bring redemption of mankind. This is one of the greatest truths, the, one of the most profound mysteries in all of Scripture. There are many profound, great truths. We have the resurrection. We have the cross. But we have the incarnation that God would send his son Jesus into this world. And Gabriel is explaining this profound truth to Mary. Jesus, fully God, fully man, the king of the universe, the one who formed Mary, the one who brought the world into existence, now becomes vulnerable, now becomes this baby, helpless. And he will be cradled in Mary's arms. She will be the one to have to take care of his physical human life in this world. This is an incredible, profound truth. And Mary will conceive, even though she's a virgin, by the power of the Holy Spirit to give birth to this Messiah. Um, the hope of Advent is this. Simply what Gabriel told 
Mary, that with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Nothing is impossible with God. This is our great hope. Nothing is impossible with God. Because of Christ and because of his coming into this world, we have what was impossible by human power. But by God's grace, we have the forgiveness of sins. That Christ came into the world to be the one mediator between God and man. And through his coming into this world, his death, his resurrection, he has removed the guilt of our sins away. This is true hope. We have the hope of knowing God personally and forever. For all of eternity. This is the greatest hope. The hope of true life in the name of Jesus. The hope that Jesus alone can bring the satisfaction that nothing else can bring in this world. Right? The satisfaction of a great, you know, Cyber Monday or Black Friday deal. Right? The hope of, you know, family and friends or the hope of, you know, shopping and whatever hope or whatever joy that we derive from, from those things. That there's a hope, there's a joy, there's a satisfaction that goes way beyond all of that. That's the hope of Advent. It's the hope of Christ himself. This is the hope that we celebrate that Jesus Christ came into this world, God in the flesh. He sits on the throne of David forever. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. When you look at the world and you look at the chaos and you look at the brokenness, what do we put our hope in? Are we putting our hope in the fact that somehow we can fix the situation? Are we hoping in temporary peace? The Bible says that of the increase of Jesus' government, there will be no end. And this is true hope. Christ is the one who's establishing his kingdom on earth. And he offers this good news, and he offers himself to anyone who would repent of their sin and put their trust in him. And when you repent and you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been given eternal hope. This is the hope of Christmas. Um,